Hey Dennis, it was a fantastic episode on inspiring ideas today. I just wanted to ask about the four principles that you talked about in this episode. You want to go at it? Okay, so I would say the first one is that artificial intelligence cannot explain artificial intelligence. And basically, you can't explain equations with just the same equations. So the second principle is we learned to use explainable AI <clears throat> to explain the principles of artificial intelligence, understand it, but also understand more about ourselves since we get the exact features that made a decision. So, and then the third principle is that you can only know something when you taught someone else how to do it. So when someone else can do what you knew, then you really understand what you are doing. And then the, the fourth and most maybe most important one, it could be the first principle, in fact, is you can't see the light in yourself if you don't see the light in others. That's impossible. And when I'm saying in others, I mean everyone. You need to see the light in everyone if you want to see the light in yourself. That's fantastic. Thanks, Dennis. Hi, I'm Abhinav. I'm Madhu. Welcome to the Inspiring Idea Podcast. We interview people from across the world and share their life stories and success formulas with our audience. We hope this will inspire you to achieve your dreams. So, let's get the show started. Please welcome Dennis Rothman today. How are you? I'm okay. So, you're in Sydney and uh, I'm in France. So, awesome. you're, you're in the evening, I'm in the morning. Yeah, that's right. Dennis, in the next 30, 40 minutes, uh, we wanted to really explore your life journey and okay. deep dive into the key moments which contributed to who you are today. And of course, talk about your uh, love to AI. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Dennis, um, when we were researching about you, you know, we found many avatars of you. You, know, you being an author, being a corporate professional, an academician and a speaker, Let's start with Dennis, the person, and the love for AI. Well, honestly, this started when I was a child, before uh, computers. I, I always liked uh, to think with processes. Like, um, I, know where it be I know the day it began, exactly, because I've reproduced it. I was maybe seven years old. And I lost a, a, a little toy in a garden. And I was thinking, and, and there was a lot of grass. So I was thinking if I move quickly, I'll never find it. So I stopped moving and I created a mental grid uh, in the garden. And I say, if I move in a very rational way, like a lawnmower, then I'll find the object. So I had this grid in mind and I said, let's, and I followed it very, very disciplined. So I, I, I followed it around and then I found my toy and I say, hey, now I'm going to apply this to everything I do at school. I'll have everything like this. So about that time, I was one of the students that didn't have to review at home anymore because I had everything in grids when the teacher would speak, I put it there. And I'm one of the persons that you would see never go to school with a school bag and be part of the best of the class mm -hmm. because I was always thinking of optimizing everything the teacher was saying when he, when he was saying, well, where, where does that fit? Oh, that goes in this part of the grid and that part of the... So by the end of the day, I was repeating the lesson so much that at home, my father would say, or my mother would say, oh, 
you have any homework? I, I did it already, but where is it? I said, it's here. So, <laughs> so when, when I went to college, it was the same. I, I, never, I never had to carry school bags or notebooks or books. And I would read all my books, college books, before the college season. So I'd, I'd, I'd know the... And then after, when the first processors came, I immediately understood that I could put my mind in there and write algorithms. So, so it's not, maybe it's a mental deficiency I have, you know, it's, maybe I'm suffering from a mental illness and it, and it fits with artificial intelligence. <laughs> is, do you inherit from your parents or is it, uh, you know, are your parents like this? It's so methodical going with the structure. So you like structure. It's what I learned from you just now. Well, I also, there's another factor is that uh, I went to the official music conservatory in France for music. And people think music is fun, you know, pop music, but cla learning classical music is extremely strict. And you have to know all the keys. You have to know like seven keys for the trumpets for and all that. I did the real classical and you have to be like I was, I was, you have to be very organized. You can't, if you're playing the piano or the organ classical music, you can't improvise, you have to really know. So that helped me because I was very good with keyboards. I, as, as soon as a keyboard appeared, I could type with 10 figures at full speed because for me learning a few letters compared to what I was, the music scores in the, in the music school is nothing. So I had this and I also had languages for me because I was born in Germany. I was born in Germany and from American parents uh, and with a mixed culture, Russian, Italian, German, uh, everything's mixed up in my family. So I heard all kinds of languages and computer languages seem so simple. You know, I said, oh, that keyboard with just a few letters and those computer languages, they have 50 words. With 50 words, you can create programs. So it wasn't too difficult, honestly. It was, uh, it was very easy to go into artificial intelligence for me. Summarize, you got uh, language, you got mathematics, then you got music. And I can resonate um, that these three uh, correlate to somebody who's, who's so good in binary, uh, looking things. At the yeah, world. it's very easy. Yeah. Like, uh, um, and there's something else, like, you know, Ravi Shankar, I would listen to him, I would listen to that music, and this music goes, what, 2,000 years, 1,000, 2,000 years? Yes. And you can see that uh, there's another factor that people are missing. When, it, when they're playing this traditional music, they're listening to the world, and they're listening to something else, to other dimensions. So I would call it, if we stay in a normal conversation, I would just call it intuition, uh, creativity. At one point, you have to improvise. If you don't have ideas, you're not going to make it an artificial intelligence. You need ideas. See, inspiring ideas. That's, that's, your, that's your thing. So if you don't have inspiration and you don't have ideas, which is the title of it, where are you going to go? You're not going to go very far, right? You need, so you need all that structure, but you have to put on top, you have to have inspiration and ideas. Beautifully said. So that was very easy, honestly. I didn't, uh, I, I started in the 80s. I registered a patent in 1982, word to vector. And then it was very easy because uh, I was only maybe 24 
when I landed my first contracts as a consultant. And then with computers and all that, it was very easy. Honestly, uh, it was because artificial intelligence fits with my way of thinking. I'm just lucky. That's a fantastic story there. Uh, Dennis, chatbots are everywhere today. You began your career authoring one of the first AI cognitive natural language processing NLP chatbot applied as a language teacher. Tell us that yeah. story. And how do you think chatbots have evolved over a period of time? Well, so, so now you got this first part. And then now, you know, I went to computers. And I was, since I was good in languages, I, I would say, well, I'm going to write a program where people are going to wonder how, how that system answers. And I say, I'm not going to use artificial voices. I only used recorded words. It was digital already. I never used like, a, it wasn't like, hello, how are you? You know, this is a computer. No, immediately <laughs> yeah. I had digital voices. And in fact, uh, there's a recording where I was uh, interviewed by a radio where there's a magazine called Speak Up and you can hear that it's a, it's a digital voice. So I began with... Uh, what we're doing today, word to vector. And then uh, what I did is something you, you can't do anymore. It's not legal anymore, but it was legal at that time, is that every time someone would speak, I would record all, everything he was saying in, in words. And then the next day, for example, I would say, oh, well, I remember that yesterday you watched that on TV or yesterday you saw this soccer game or so, same thing, I, I entered Moite Chandon, which is uh, luxury. So you know that LVMH is one, of, is one of the largest luxury groups in the world. And I was lucky because uh, there's another factor in my life. As you can see, I'm cool. And the people were saying, this guy's cool. You know, he doesn't look like uh, an egghead, like these mathematicians, you know, like they have a, a mental... He's cool. So why don't we ask him to do something? And it was for language learning because these people had to, tra these were business uh, CEOs, managers. They didn't have time to, to travel, to go to private lessons. So they financed a huge project and I wrote a, a, chat, a chatbot for them. And this chatbot was very successful because it would never answer the, it would never say the same question, never say the same answers. It's basically what you have today with uh, Google Dialogflow. Yeah except that my thing was automatic. It would learn the questions and the answers from the person. But so chatbots, that was a good chatbot. And I really, it was a big project with many, many users. But then after I was thinking, uh, who am I going to sell this to? How many LVMH uh, people are there? So I'm not going to earn a lot of money if I just do that. So I was saying, but when people think, they think in languages. So then I went to aerospace companies, defense companies. And I said, you have reasoning. When you're uh, in defense projects, not in civil or civilian stuff, you have strategies. Maybe we can put these strategies into word pieces and math, and then we can do automatic strategies. So my first one there was with, uh, it's now Airbus. It's the defense part of Airbus. Mm -hmm. So that was my, so I my, imagine my first chatbot was LVMH, and then my first industrial part with, was with the Airbus, the defense part. It was called aerospatial at that time. I was very young, and I would come in, and I, but as you can see, I was very old. 
because since I was seven, I was always thinking like that. So by the time I was 24, I had about like 17 years experience of uh, creating uh, processes. And that's what I think makes success. It's when you're, when you're very old and something very young. The lesson there, Dennis, is keep experimenting right from your early age. And then once you do that, uh, the experience would take you to a level where you can go and influence anybody and then make money. Yes, because even when I was seven, I was thinking back of the way I was thinking when I was six, five, four, and three. Then when I was nine, I was saying, how was I thinking when I was seven? How can I improve that? Then when I was 10, I did that. And then between the age of uh, 14, 15, and 19, I was in my, I really began to write all this down. I began to study, uh, I, and, I, and I was going back to when I was three, four, five. And now what I do, sometimes um, my wife wonders what I'm doing because I've kept all these notes and all these books and sometimes she comes in, our, in my room and she sees all that. What is that? I said, I'm going back to my, when I was 15. When I was 15, I really, so I'm making sure that I'm still in, synchronized with my teenager dreams and the way I was, and I'm not going off path. So that's another subject. If you're talking about inspiring ideas, if when you're 15, 16, 17, you have dreams, you can't betray yourself. You have to keep in that direction and you have to make sure that you're not deviating from what you are because if you do, then you won't resonate anymore. There's no resonance. It'll be dissonance, You'll, like uh, mistakes in music. So if you, you have to stay together. It also comes with exposure as well, Dennis, isn't it? So what's your passion? So to me, passion is finding... Uh, you experimenting and finding what you like and then you know keep pursuing that passion never leave that the the suggestion that you are giving is start early experiment find your passion and stick to it be consistent with it that's that's massive i was so curious about chatbots dennis I'm very very yeah. curious about chatbots where okay. uh, you were you were mentioning that you started during that 1900 1980s is that I registered the patent in 1982 and the chat was up and running in 1988. There you go. If you go on LinkedIn, you can see the patent, you can see the art, what was written by Moete Chandon, not by me, and everything. Yeah, of course. Is, is that the first ever chatbot produced in the world? No, I'm <laughs> not the first in anything. I don't know. I don't believe in I'm the first, I'm the best. Okay. We're, we're microbes. We're just compared to the universe. Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, that, that was something I was thinking of this morning that I wanted to tell you. There's a problem inherent to human beings is that we still live as if the earth was flat. Mm. Think of it. When when you came, when you move around, you're not thinking the earth is moving. You're thinking I'm moving on the, you know, uh, uh, and the sun, you don't, when you see the sunset, you say, oh, what a beautiful sunset. You don't say, oh, what a beautiful earth turn. So we're still in this world where we see the world, the universe around us. So for us, the sun is going, but if we look the other way, we're nothing. So I'm the first of nothing. I'm the best in nothing. That's not humblest, that's realism. Because right now, right now people, because I know this question comes along the time, is artificial intelligence going to dominate the world? You know, like this Elon Musk, uh, nightmare 
we're going to go to Mars, you know, to avoid uh, being contaminated by these bad AI algorithms. Do you think really that you have maybe 500 million Indians, 500 million maybe Africans, 500 maybe 200 in China, they don't even have internet. So who on earth is thinking artificial intelligence is going to take over what? Nothing. It's a, it, 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 I don't know what they're talking about. Like I play chess and I was playing chess with a man from Jamaica. And I said, aren't you worried about all this? He says, I'll begin to worry when I get a good internet, internet connection. Because for the moment, you know, uh, so we have to think that we're not, the universe is not going around us. And the center of universe is not Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that leads us to that next question. So having explored this uh, concept of AI and then what are we going to do with AI in the future? So what's your definition of AI? You know, AI is a constellation of technologies and it has evolved over time and, and you would have seen that. Talk about uh, IoT, data, cloud, whatnot, right? Yeah, okay. Let's take it down to what it is. So there was, at the time of Napoleon, there was called something called the Turk machine. And it was this fantastic automatic chess machine. And it was beating many people. So it went around Europe and you had this little box and you could play chess against it and it was beating everyone. And then one day we found there was a dwarf inside. There was a small man that was good at chess locked up. And in fact, Amazon has a system called uh, the Turk, hundreds of thousands of people doing the work for them. So I think there's a myth. I think that we're always imagining that there, we humans project, like if you see a puppet show, you go to a puppet show when you're a child. We all, when I was watching puppets, I thought they were alive. You know, I was watching the puppet and the puppet was talking. And when I was a child, I was saying, yeah, the puppet, uh, uh, but the problem with adults today, that they haven't changed. They're looking at artificial intelligence, which, which is a mathematical puppet, and they say, oh, when is artificial intelligence going to have consciousness like us? I say, if you, so I would say artificial intelligence, if we go from there, we'll have consciousness when you take your pocket calculator and it begins to, talk, to think, you know? It, Artificial intelligence is a set of equations. It's mathematics. So it's, it's fantastic math. It's beautiful math, but it's mathematics. So I don't, it's nothing. It's just a tool. People are afraid of artificial intelligence, but they're not afraid like 20 years ago that the, in banks, everything was automatic already. When, when I was young, you had to go into the bank to get your money. Now you just go to an ATM machine, but doesn't that, and then uh, several centuries ago, you had to make your own clothing. Now you have, then you had machines and people were saying, wow, machines, are machines going to take over? And then you have Charlie Chaplin in the 1920s, 30s, he does modern times. I mean, there's, not, there's nothing in artificial intelligence equation. It's just automatic. We're just, you know, I'll give you, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what artificial intelligence, why we're talking, having this conversation. Suppose we think we're intelligent, right? You were three of us and we think we're intelligent, but we're not, we're not intelligent, but we think <laughs> we're intelligent. Yeah. Okay. So when we see something, someone that's more intelligent than us, we say, oh, he's a genius. 
Because if we were saying he was intelligent, then what would we be, idiots? So, so see, it's a, it's a hierarchy. So the genius is the top manager, and we're intelligent. But if the genius was only intelligent, we'd be idiots. So now we're a bit uh, offensed because we can see machines doing things that we thought, you know, us big humans, we could do. We thought a machine will never beat us at chess. A machine will never be able to do the New York Stock Exchange. We know that machine learning is doing m much of the trading now in, in, in New York City. Yeah. So we're just offensed. We're saying, oh, so we're not that smart after all. No, because equations can reproduce most of our thinking because we created Taylorism 100 years ago. So we divided the workplace into something so stupid and limited that any machine can replace us. So we're thinking, oh, it's in, no. But so artificial is a, it's a set of equations, like your pocket calculator, that can do it nice, beautiful things, but it's a tool, it's nothing else. And everyone that's playing, you know, with robots and how they're going to talk, well, sure, go ahead. Tell me how it works without electricity, for example. Absolutely. And I just believe that humans are way more than just, you know, doing some calculations. Uh, you know, we can write songs, we can compose music, uh, you know, we can do a lot more uh, as compared to what a machine can do. But, that, but that's a problem. Because in fact, that's a, we can, uh, uh, artificial can intelligence can do everything you said right now. Mm -hmm. Because now the question that's coming to the Western world and to the world itself is what is really makes us a unique human being. <laughs> and since we have created a material world, we have forgotten what we were. So since we forgot what we were, and of course we can replace anything animal. You want to create a song with artificial intelligence? I can do it tomorrow morning. I just take it and then you produce random things, you get a song. You can do all of that because what is unique in a human being? And that's what I was taught. I, I was saying the other day with uh, Terry Sinkt, we had this uh, podcast on artificial, and in the end, Dennis, he said, what would you sum up as being the most important word? I would say love. Forget about music, creativity, and all that stuff. The only thing that makes us really human is love. love. That's it. If you take love out of the equation, boy, we're depressed. <laughs> we're, we're, three, we're three men. When we were teenagers, what were we thinking? Who am I going to meet? Who, yeah, uh, who, um, am I going to be alone all my life? So, love. So if you, creating music, you can, do, you can do anything you said with artificial intelligence, but how can you create love? How can you make my uh, HP computer love me? We talk about chatbot and with voice bots coming into play, Dennis, I can see that people have started embracing that voice technology. And they say, if, there are a lot of loneliness here in this world, right? And people are saying, if you give me a bot which can do things for me, I can treat it as my son or a daughter. I can take him or her to a beach and I can love. People have started to think in those uh, perspectives. It's, it's not robots loving us. It's like humans loving robots and then making it as a companion for them. What do you think about yeah, that? But, well, they, they love their smartphone. Hmm. If you go in the subway, you watch people, they're touching it, you know, my little iPhone, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful with the nice, it's their choice. And, and don't think this is something new. This is not new at all. If we went back 50,000 years 
okay, we go back 50,000 years, you would have people looking at seashells and they were looking at stones. Oh, my beautiful stone. Oh, my beautiful seashell. Oh, my beautiful bow. Oh, my beautiful spear. Oh, my beautiful <laughs> little thing. Yeah. My little helmet I put on my head. And then you would have people in the same clan. They were looking at the trees, the sky, the sun. It's just the way people are. You're not, we're not going to change humans. So we're just seeing. It's just visual since you can see it. But it's been like that for 50, maybe 100,000 years, maybe a million years. It's just different types of personalities. Mm. So if people like their smartphone, well, they like their smartphone. What can I say? You know, you, and if they don't like their smartphone, it, it's a free world. They can think what they want, do what they want. You know, I'm not going to judge people. Yeah. I'm in a position uh, being a little human being that still doesn't know why, where he came from, where he's going after, and what he's doing here. When I figure that out, I wrote that in the poster, that when I figure that out, I'll begin, I'll begin to give lessons to others. Dark is the world where pe people that you know, assassinated their soul go. So if you assassinate your soul, you go to a dark world. And then, and then you go to, that's, that's India, now you go to Milton in, in England, and he said, a man can make uh, hell on earth. He can make a heaven or a hell on earth, his own heaven and hell. So it's just where you want to go. So I'm not, so artificial intelligence is uh, math. You can look at it as puppets and believe it's, uh, it loves you or use it as a tool. Chatbots are very useful if you consider them as tools. If you consider them as your wife or your companion, you might have mental problems. I think there's going to be a lot of psychological problems. You know, I'm in love with my chatbot. Mm. In fact, there's been a marriage. You don't know this. A man married his chatbot. <laughs> you don't know that, right? No. You look it up on YouTube. Yeah, I will. He said, because I don't have problems. She's always nice to me when I get home. She talks to me nice. So he got married. It's a, it's a true story. Look it up on YouTube. You'll find it. Mm. But remember, in Japan, they don't think like us. They see, <clears throat> they see more life in objects than we do. We mm. have the same culture. Powerful thinkers, yes. So it is coming back to the ethics aspect of it. We talked about um, AI being machine and programming and humans, and they have to coexist. You know, they, 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 I don't think they've got any choice. So ethics is another hot topic when it comes to building an AI solution. So can you briefly touch upon why this is extremely important now? And uh, are you seeing yeah. any patterns? The, the, what's very funny is where software has been present for what, 50 years? Yeah. So, okay. So you tell me what people thought when ATM machines came, how did the workers feel? when they said, oh, you don't need to give money to the customers anymore, we have this program. Or what do you say? Well, you don't need to look at the stock exchange anymore. We have uh, a stop loss, automatic stop loss. You don't need to look at the computer, it'll be done automatically. So in fact, what are we talking about? Automatic calculations. Artificial intelligence is just another automatic calculation. It's nothing more, it's nothing less. It's just more automatic calculations and since it came very quickly in the minds of people in the past few years, but have they looked, 
I, there's this advertisement of uh, Texas Instruments yeah. when they first started. And they say, with this pocket calculator, you can replace 40 accountants. With this pocket calculator. Then you have IBM in the early 60s. They created this big calculator. And they say, with this, you can replace a whole department of people. So I don't see anything new. I see equations that are replaced. I see machines replacing humans since, I don't know, people invented the wheel. When you mm -hmm. first invented the wheel, you didn't need people. Before you had these people carrying things, they said, I don't need you anymore. I have wheels. And the person would say, how, how am I going to eat? Well, I don't know. Find something else to do. That's, that's 8,000 years ago. Then people invented a car. And people say, how, well, what about the horses? You know, I used to take people by horse to their job. No, 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 go away. Okay. And then people don't realize in the 1920s that, you know, people were being cold to their house, cold. And now they had this automatic heating. So people got out of a job. So it's been going on for, for thousands of years. And now it's just continuing that humans keep replacing humans with mach machines and automatic things. And they, they, just, they just like it. So one day you might have a, a, robe, a bot that will be consuming uh, stuff made by another bot. <laughs> it's just humans. Humans like objects. They like automatic. So, there's no, so the, if you're talking about the coexistence between artificial intelligence and people, then talk about the coexistence between human beings and po pocket calculators or uh, supercomputers. I would say artificial intelligence re represents a sm very small part of automatic calculations. Uh, very small part. I mean, the transactions are mostly non-artificial intelligence and they've been automatic for 30 years. So there's, it's just, we're afraid of things that are new. I'm not afraid because I'm in artificial intelligence. But if I go to see a doctor and I have, you know, it hurts me a bit here and he begins to say these strange names I'm going to be terrified. I'm going to say, that, what is that disease? And he's going to say, well, calm down. You know, you, I'm going to give you a treatment. And in a few days, so we're always afraid of things we don't know. So yeah. I'm not afraid of it because I'm in it. But someone who's not in it is afraid of it. But when I go see a doctor, I'm afraid. And when I go see an architect that's building a house, I'm going to say, are you sure that, you know, it's not going to fall down the way you built? We're just afraid of things we don't know. That's fantastic. We're fearful people. Yeah. Uh, every organization, cultures and values are different. Now you spend years and years in the corporate world. How do you yeah. see these companies treating ethics? So culture, that, that one's something I won't, I won't, I, yeah, I, I only worked for corporations all my life. That's what you mean for yeah. like uh, airlines, uh, defense. Culture is a huge problem. I mean, poor. I feel so small when you tell me, ask me that question <laughs> because <laughs> people don't understand. It's so difficult. For example, uh, when you, I learned a lot doing artificial intelligence to, to recognize two faces, you have to see some of the differences. If, every, if all the images you feed to the system look the same, well, then you can't see the difference. So human beings are focused on differences. That's the problem. Okay, so we're always afraid of something that's different because it takes us a long time 
when we're children to get used to one standard. Okay, my father's like that, my mother's like that, I go to work, they're like that. And all of a sudden you see these cultures coming in, like in France, for example, we have a lot of doctors coming from Eastern countries now. And they have all these strange Eastern names. So people are saying, should I go see that doctor? And I say, he's a doctor, you know. Yeah, but why should I go see him? But why shouldn't you go see him? You could, what, what's the difference? You might, so our culture is based on difference. That's our problem. We only see the differences. And it takes a long time to adapt. So in the corporate world, what I would do, in fact, because uh, Disney was a, a company I worked for, and uh, what they have about, when I was working in, I had a few hundred users, 100, and there was 180 nationalities. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was everyone in the world. So what they would do is they would have workshops on each culture. You would have uh, Asian uh, workshop, American workshop, which is very special, Mexican workshop. You have all these workshops. So when you're doing a corporate project, what I would do was workshops. I would, uh, I would like get as many people possible and say, what do you want to see on your screen? And I would try to customize the screen or make a screen with, you know, that everyone can agree upon, you know, because each culture has a different way of representing what he sees. It's very difficult. It's a very difficult subject and it takes a lot. That's, I would say in a, forget about artificial intelligence, but in these projects, I would focus on the user and make sure that the user sees the interface he's used to seeing. And then yeah. behind, I would hide all the algorithms so that he would see nothing. He would just click on a button and it would be like before, but with some automatic things. It's a very complex subject. You can see in the United States right now, all the problems that are going on with people that don't understand each other. It's, it's, we haven't solved that problem because if we did, there would be no wars. We'd be perfect people. Maybe we would be bored, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so I don't really have a big answer to that question, except that it's a lot of problems. And if you don't have an open mind, your project is dead. I can tell you that. I can tell you the opposite. If you don't go into a project, AI or not, AI is more difficult. That's all. AI, artificial intelligence, is just a very difficult project. But if you don't go in with an open mind, you're dead. Relate to people with something. So you have to read and understand and find the best of each culture or your project is dead because the user won't use your program. So you're dead. So you have to be open-minded. Thanks for tuning in, my friends. We have got thousands of people listening to this podcast and wanted to thank you all for the love and encouragement so far. Some of you have reached out personally to us and thanked as well for producing great quality content. It would be awesome if you like and follow our LinkedIn page, Inspiring Ideas. And please don't forget to hit the subscribe button from where you are listening. We are across all the key podcast channels, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. We will see you with another great episode next week. Thank you so much.